0: Welcome to Gateway Community Church, Webster, Texas. We're so glad you found us, and we hope this message helps you discover more about God and his unique plan well, for your life. I think there is um, there's a lot to be concerned about uh, about in our world today and, and how easy it is sometimes for us to get led astray uh, by others or even our own thinking. I know as a parent, and I'm sure other parents would, would say this, there's nothing that probably worries us more sometimes than, than our child getting around those who would lead them astray. Um, And and the question becomes, how can you tell? And and what do you do uh, in in big picture kinds of ways? And that was a question that the apostle John was dealing with as he wrote the churches that he had started that were located in western Turkey um, on the um, modern-day Turkey on on what's called the uh, Aegean Sea, a town called Ephesus he was convinced that some of those who'd been a part of his church had chosen to buy into some beliefs that weren't good, that that compromised the, the, the historic teaching of faith. And he didn't want them influencing others in his church families. You know, I, I think sometimes folks don't realize how important our beliefs are. Some people want to say, well, you know, you can believe what you believe. I won't believe what I believe. But But here's the thing. Beliefs, Are incredibly important because they lead to actions. Uh, What I believe impacts how I live my life uh, and how all of us live our lives. Sometimes we're very clear about our beliefs, but sometimes we we, kind of adopt beliefs that we've never really thought through. And the problem with that sometimes we say one thing, but we live another because deep down, while we think the idea is a good idea, it's not something we buy into and we don't end up living that way. Our lives are very different. We end up talking the talk and not also walking the walk. And uh, I think it's sometimes because we just haven't given it much thought. A lot of times people want to kind of coast along through Christianity and say, well, I don't need to learn a lot of that. that. The problem is, again though, our beliefs have, have consequences. They matter in how we live our lives and how others around us live. And if we're not clear about what we believe, we can be deceived into going down paths that can take us to places that aren't good, that aren't healthy. And so whether it's our, our kids or ourselves or whatever the case may be, it's important for us to realize that. For instance, if I say I'm a Christian, but deep down, I don't really, if, if, if you pushed me on it, I, do, do I really believe God is, is completely good and he's completely powerful? And he, he seeks our good. If for some reason that's in any way in question within me, then when I'm called to do something that is out of my comfort zone, something that I haven't done before, something that doesn't fit what I like doing, then I may dismiss it. I may dismiss it because I don't like it. Why don't I like it? Because deep down, what I say I believe and what I actually believe aren't the same thing and we we end up running into that issue more and more than we realize. Bad thinking does lead to bad actions, and when we're around folks who have different beliefs from us, or or we don't hold ours very strongly, then over time as they start doing things, we, we become more comfortable with them and we start trusting them more than we trust some foundation or something rock solid, something that we believe is eternal. We have, to, we have to ask ourselves, what is it that we really believe? John was concerned about this, not just because bad teachings can lead to you doing some bad things, but he was concerned because bad teaching can lead to you turning away from Christ, from not understanding what he really means, and therefore turning away from eternity with Christ. For, for John, this wasn't just some uh, 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 high in the, pie in the sky conversation. This was about people's eternities. That if they had the wrong beliefs and, it, and kept following them where they were going, it was going to be destructive for them forever. It was literally life and death. So this morning, we want us to dig in to what John is talking about here. If you have your Bibles, turn to 1 John chapter 2, verse 18. If not, we've included a, an insert in your bulletin that you can take out that has the scriptures in it and places for, for notes. John begins saying, "'Children, it is the last hour, "'and as you you have heard that Antichrist is coming, "'so now many Antichrists have come. "'Therefore we know that it is the last hour.'" Now, just looking at some of the words here, children is the, is the term that John uses over and over again to talk to those in his churches. He's their spiritual father. He's the one that brought many of them to Christ or helped them to understand Christ. They, they mean the world to him. And so he loves them like his own children. So when you see that, it's a term of affection. Um, John says, he warns them that it is the last hour now, if it really is the last hour, then before his, his writing gets out of Ephesus, that hour is going to be over. So, in a sense, we have to understand that he's he's speaking a little bit symbolically here. He's not talking about this is literally the last 60 minutes as I pin this, because it would never get to the to the folks. I mean, they didn't have email. Things had to be carried by couriers. So we we know that in a sense it's not literally a last hour, but it is in a sense a last hour. Jesus told his disciples that he was going to be crucified, that he would be resurrected, and that he would one day return to finish what he had begun, to destroy forever evil and death and Satan. And that last period of time of, of, of history, of his, of his coming up to, this, to the present, is called typically called... The last times, or the end times, or the last hour. The Bible uses some some different words at different times, but the point of that, uh, Peter said, God chose Christ as your ransom long ago, long before the world began. But He has now revealed Him to you in these last days. In other words, as Christ came into the world, as He was baptized, as He began His ministry, those are the those are the beginning of the last days, and and. Obviously, Jesus Jesus hasn't returned. I mean, we're still here, and I I think, I don't know about all of you, but I know some of you are are really committed Christians, so I feel pretty confident in saying that that he hasn't returned. So all through the Bible, there are these statements by, by Jesus, by other disciples, including Paul, that point to how we will know what those last days or hours are like to confirm that we are, in fact, in them. Jesus said in Matthew, for false Christs and false prophets will arise and perform great signs and wonders, so as to lead astray, if possible, even the elect. In other words, they are arising to lead astray people who are in the churches. That's what they're doing. That's what they're trying to do. Um, Timothy, Paul wrote Timothy saying, Now the Spirit expressly says that in later times some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons through the inser- insincerity of liars whose consciences are seared. In some ways when we see people pulling away from the church, not being involved in the church, it's a picture of, of last times. It's a picture of, of what they are talking about. And John is warning his readers, he's warning us, that in this last hour, there will be more deception. There will be more evil at work, as Jesus and his apostles said. And so John is concerned for these end times. And, and his concern for his folks back then is, is just as true today because we're still waiting for his return. We're, we're still in those last times. And, and Jesus himself told parables about what happens if we're not prepared, if we're not ready. He talked about the, 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 the ten bridesmaids and some of them had extra oil and some of them didn't. And at the time when they least expected, when they went to get some, the, the bridegroom returned and they were, they were left outside. There really is this sense within Christianity that we ought to always be living with a little bit of a leaning forward, a little bit of a sense of expectancy. That if we're just taking it blasé, if we're just goofing off, we're missing the urgency, the sense of importance that, that Jesus wants us to understand. Now let me, let me remind us of, of something that's important in the midst of this is that no one knows exactly when Jesus will return. I don't know about you, but just in the the 12 or so years that I've been in this church, I can remember at least three different times where the media has picked up information about somebody who said, the end time is coming on this particular day at this particular time, you know? Uh, And let me tell you, it's not just in the last 10 or 12 years. This has been happening for decades and centuries. People see the world around them and they see Things of the end times occurring, and therefore they start trying to figure it out. The problem is, Jesus says, You're not gonna figure it out. You're not gonna know. He says, I don't even know. Only the Father in heaven knows. So, just a little side note if somebody tells you that on some particular day Jesus is coming back, you know they don't get it. They're wrong. You don't have to worry. You don't have to sweat. You don't have to go cash in your, your savings. You, you, know, you don't have to go sit on a mountaintop and sing Kumbaya and wait. You just keep on living your life because they're wrong. They have always been wrong. They will continue to be wrong until Jesus returns. And, and that will happen in an instant. We're not gonna know. Could be before I finish the next sentence. Could be. Don't know. Am I ready? Are you ready? I mean, that's, that's part of the importance here of going on. Jesus said, concerning the day and the hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven nor the Son, but the Father only. So don't let anybody fool you. These are the kinds of things that are going on, that were going on back then, that are still going on today. And, and the evil that's occurring, John said, is being carried out by many antichrists. And he uses that in the plural Now I know you hear that word and and there are people uh, who make a talk all the time about the Antichrist and, and it's this huge deal and it is important but let me just tell you something that you need to understand. The word Antichrist is only found four times in the Bible. Four times. Three of them in this particular letter by John, 1 John and once in 2 John. So there's only four occurrences of the word. Now, uh, the Apostle Paul does seem, in, uh, in his writings to Thessalonians, he talks about the man of lawlessness. Some think he's talking about the same one. But, so, yeah, there's a little bit there, but there's probably not as much as some people want us to get worked up about. What he's really talking about is not the man, the person, whoever it may be. What he's saying is before that guy comes, there is a spirit. Spirit of the Antichrist. There is a, you know, there's a. The, we talk about the spirit of Christmas. We talk about the spirit of, that there are people who, who who follow along what that guy is going to ultimately be about. And and from its the Greek language, a derivation of Antichrist can have two meanings. In Greek, anti is a preposition. It can mean either against or it can mean in place of. So. An antichrist can mean either an, an opponent of Christ or someone who's trying to put himself in Christ's place. And John is probably referring to both, but he seems to be pointing more to a specific individual who would put himself in Christ's place in some day, some, some big character, and yet prior to his coming, all the way back to the time of John, all the way up to today, there continue to be some who come with the spirit of the Antichrist. He uses that, he talks about the spirit of the Antichrist in, in chapter four, verse three of this. We're not looking at it today, but that's, that's where he uses that expression. And people, have, Christians have pointed to this through, through the centuries. They said that Nero, in the first century, was the Antichrist. Did Jesus return? No. They've said, Um, Napoleon was the Antichrist. They said Hitler was the Antichrist. Still hasn't come. So what we would say about them is that they, they were men who had the spirit of the Antichrist at work in them, but they weren't the one who would signal a time at the end. That in that second um, John it says, for many deceivers have gone out into the world, those who do not confess the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh. Such a one is the deceiver and the antichrist. And, and John says that the, the lie these antichrists are spreading to deceive followers of Jesus is that Jesus didn't really come in the flesh. He, he wasn't fully man as well as fully God. Now. That may or may not seem like a big deal to you. But here's the thing: In the, in the book of Hebrews, John uh, the, the writer of Hebrews makes a big case that if Jesus wasn't fully man, his, his sacrifice couldn't, he couldn't stand in our place. But at the same time, if he wasn't fully God, his sacrifice would just be for him. For him to be God meant his sacrifice was for all people, for all time. And the problem that John was dealing with that we continue to deal with through the centuries is we think either too much on the human side of Jesus or too much on the spiritual, the divine side of Jesus. And the problem is, for instance, on the human side, which was where a lot of these folks were dealing with Jesus, is we could say, well, Jesus was a good man, great moral teacher, greatest teacher who ever lived. I've listened to people who are non-Christians say that. There's only one problem when, when you say that about Jesus When you say he was a great man, you have to take into account that Jesus himself said that I and the Father are one. Jesus in many ways said he was God. God. Now, if somebody comes up to you and says they're God, what do you think? I mean, either they're a big liar or they're nuts. Okay? And that's really important. When somebody says to us, Jesus was simply a great man, they have totally missed the point. Totally. That is a lie from Satan. That is the spirit of the Antichrist at work. That doesn't mean the person saying it has bad intentions. It doesn't mean the person saying it wants to mislead us. But they will. If we do not understand and buy into the uniqueness the divinity and the humanity of Jesus Christ. It is, it is fundamentally important to what the Christian faith is about. If Jesus was simply a great man, then we're just following another great man. We're following a Muhammad or a... Houd- uh, 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 well, one of those other guys. <laughs> and that's good. But all of them died and their bodies are still in the grave. Jesus died and he arose. And no one has ever found his body deteriorated. And that's the promise he gives to his followers. But if if the Antichrist can convince you and me, we don't need to follow him, we don't need to do it his way, we can go about things in our own way, we can follow our own wishes, then the, the spirit of the Antichrist opposed to Christ, is pushing us away. It can be said in the nicest of ways, in the kindest of language. It can even be said with sincerity. But you can be, a person can be sincere and be sincerely wrong, right? We've all done that. We've been confident of something that we got proved wrong about. And and that's what's going on here and John loves his people too much to let them get caught up in a lie that will lead them into destructive places in their lives and how they then live their lives. He says they went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us, but they went out and that it might become plain that they are all that they all are not of us. In other words, they left the community. They left the church. They went off to do their own thing. Uh, we don't know exactly why, maybe because they did disagree with John, maybe because they were kind of pushed out because of their beliefs, but John has very strong feelings about this. In fact, if you read through this, he implies they may never have been Christians in the first place. They may have bought into the idea of Christianity, not into the person of Christ, and the idea of Christianity permeates our culture. It's another one of those false teachings, sort of like Jesus was a good man. And that's all. We have to recognize the dangers of these things. Because no good idea died on the cross for your sin or mine. Only Jesus did that. The Son of God, the Son of Man. And so John is warning his people about this. He says, but, but you have been anointed by the Holy One and you all have knowledge. I write to you not because you do not know the truth but because you know it and because no lie is of the truth. He wants to assure those who remain in his churches that they are well equipped. They can deal with the, these antichrists, these false teachings, that they in fact have knowledge also from God, this anointing. And, and this word anointing uh, is the same root word as Christ, as Antichrist, as anoint, they all are the same root word. And the meaning of this, the most obvious meaning, is the gift of the Holy Spirit who comes to all when they receive Christ in their lives as Savior and Lord, who comes into us and, and the, his spirit lives within us. In fact, some of your translations will even say it is the Holy Spirit. Jesus said to his disciples uh, in the last night he was here, John 14, he said, The Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. And then a couple of chapters later, just a few minutes later, that evening, he says, When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own authority. But whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. Jesus says the Spirit, who is the Spirit of Jesus... Not some other spirit. There's only one spirit. There's one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and they are one God. And whatever the Father says, the Son says. Whatever the Son says, the Holy Spirit says, because otherwise they wouldn't be one. And so John wants to be very clear here that, that the, a spirit, the Spirit of Jesus, the Holy Spirit's not going to speak on, on, on anything except what God ordains, He's not going to detract from anything Jesus said, but will bring to remembrance all that Jesus said to them. And, and this, is, this is something those who left John's church as the Antichrist seemed to have forgotten. They were claiming that, yes, the Holy Spirit has come into us, we believe, and so when I have this feeling that it's okay for me to run around on my wife or my husband because I feel like it, and I'm believing that that's the Holy Spirit leading me in that, I'm going to justify that because I have the Holy Spirit in me. I can, make that, I can do that. And what John wants to remind them is there is not one standard of what is right. That is what we feel. The standard is Jesus Christ. The standard is. Him and, and he will not teach you or reveal something new to you. I've listened to people in theological circles and different places talk about, well, we believe the Spirit is revealing something totally new about how we understand a lifestyle or a person or the works of God or something like that. And then they, they use that to justify going off in all kinds of directions. But here's the thing. The Spirit can never reveal anything that is different from Jesus Christ. And so, it, what we have in Scripture are the words of Jesus, the teachings of Jesus, and his apostles who, ex, who sought to ex, help us understand those teachings and who he is. And so, when someone makes the claim that I feel led by the Holy Spirit to go mess around with somebody else's wife, that's not of the Holy Spirit. Some of you have heard somebody say that. I've heard people say, God wants me to get a divorce. You will not find that in Scripture. It's important for us to understand that these, these little lies, they work through all of our lives because what we believe impacts our actions. We've got to watch this very, very carefully. These antichrists were claiming they could justify anything because they said, I have the Spirit, Jesus had the Spirit, but I have the Spirit so I can do whatever I want. And John is saying, uh-uh, man, you got this all wrong. Because he says, who who is the liar, but he who denies Jesus is the Christ, the the Son of God. This is the Antichrist, he who denies the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. These Antichrists had gotten to the point where they were dismissing the idea of of Jesus being the Messiah or the Christ. They, They... they had a whole nother level of thinking that everything spiritual was good and everything physical, like our bodies, was bad. And so as long as they stayed on the spiritual realm, they could do whatever they want. If they were on the physical realm, it didn't matter. Well, that's a pretty convenient belief if you want to be involved in overt sexuality, if you want to be a glutton, if you want to do all kinds of things, if you're a hedonist. That's a great, that's a great philosophy, the only problem is, don't try to align it with Scripture. Don't try to align it with Jesus. They couldn't align it with Jesus, so they were claiming their own authority. They were saying that, that Jesus was just a man and not the messianic figure that he was claimed to be. And Jesus says anyone who makes these claims is a liar. They're the Antichrist. What's the Antichrist? Someone opposed to Christ. Someone who is teaching things that go against the ways of Christ. Someone who is trying to subvert people out of the truth. And again, they may be doing it with the best of intentions. Sincerity is not the, the way we judge truth, we judge truth by God, by His Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus was who he said he was. He's, in John it says no one has ever seen God but the one and only son who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the father has made him known. Jesus was not just anybody and, and we, we, if, if we paint Christianity as just morality, being good people, We have totally missed the mark. A Christian is a little Christ. It's someone who follows Christ, who obeys Christ. If you don't obey him, you don't follow him, you're not a Christian. Now, none of us does that perfectly. I don't do that perfectly. But what is the intention of my heart? What am I trying to do? What are you trying to do? Are we looking for every little cop out, every little place where we can divert? Or are we saying, God, I wanna do your will? Are we saying what Jesus said in the Garden of Gethsemane, Lord, if you can take this cup from me, do it, but not my will, but thy will. That's the picture of a follower of Jesus Christ that we are called to. Jesus was fully man and fully human fully man so that his sacrifice could be for humans, but fully God so that it was an infinite sacrifice for all people, for all time. And John wanted his, his, the people he loved, his churches, to be sure and get this right. He goes on in verse 24 then to say, let what you have heard from the beginning, that is what John has been teaching them from the very beginning about Jesus, abide in you. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, then you too will abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he's made us, eternal life. That's what happens for those who abide in Christ. I write these things to you about those who are trying to deceive you. But the anointing that you have, the living of the Spirit in you, that you receive from him, abides in you, and you have no need that anyone should teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about everything and is true and is no lie, Just as he taught you, abide in him. So John says there's really two ways to discern false teachings. First, right belief is always anchored in the life and teaching of Jesus Christ. And that means the Bible, which is God's word, encompasses that. So we get into very, we're on a really slippery slope when we start questioning the truth of the Bible, even when it's inconvenient. Even when it's it's hard. When people say such as these Antichrists raise questions about belief and practices, John tells us, go back to Jesus, go back to the Word of God, verify it against that. It's why it's so important for you and me to spend time reading God's word. So that you know you're not dependent just on one hour a week of gaining some knowledge, but you're immersing yourself, you're abiding. In God's word, you're praying, you're spending time in groups with other believers, studying, learning, growing. Because this is about your life. This is not about even heaven or hell. This is not even about moral, you know, whether I make a good decision in this one particular case. This is about how I live my life every day, all throughout my day. Am I abiding or not? Am I trusting? And to trust, I have to know. I have to learn. I have to spend time. You know, you, you get to know someone, you know, if you if you read about someone and you said, I want to marry them, odds are the, the marriage isn't gonna happen until you get to know them. And then once you get to know them, hopefully you spend the rest of your time getting to know them better. And that's the that's the picture here. And it's in this abiding that we experience eternal life. But John goes further because These antichrists are claiming some special knowledge from the Spirit. And and John says, you know, just because they say that they have the Spirit, just because they say they know doesn't mean you don't know because the Spirit is in you as well. The anointing of Christ's Spirit is in every follower of Jesus Christ, not just some. That anointing is present in you. and, And you have no less of God than they do if they claim some higher spirituality, if they claim we know more than you, we're, we're better than you, man, that, that's exactly Satan's line. That's, that is so far from the truth. Jesus is never less present in a Christ follower in you than in another Christ follower. The question is, am I listening to him? Am I seeking him? Am I obeying him? Now that's That's different, but is he less present? No. And in effect, both of these ways are sort of intertwined because it's the Spirit himself who helps us read and discern the truth in biblical teaching, and yet the Spirit's never going to contradict what the Bible says. So we can read and learn, John says, but at the same time, he is teaching them. He is sending them this information. He wrote them the gospel. So we do need to learn and listen from each other. There's value in community. And all of this is so important because it's, it's about how we discern truth. And, and again, one of the things John keeps wanting us to understand is there's not just a truth. There's not just spiritual truth over here and there's a whole different physical truth and a whole different emotional truth. Truth is truth and it applies in every area of our lives because our lives are a unity. And if I do something harmful spiritually, it will harm me physically and emotionally. If I do something harmful emotionally in my life, it will harm me physically and spiritually. It's all interconnected. And so John wants us to understand that this is how we're discerning truth, is from God's word. Now, you may not find in the Bible, you may not find the truth about how to solve that math problem, that algebra math problem for school tomorrow. Okay, I I get that, but here's what you will find. You will find a scripture that says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, that God created everything there is, that it is dependable, that you can count on math being what was true about math yesterday, is true today, will be true tomorrow, because it's a part of what our God created as a part of this whole creation. You can count on it. If God is undependable, so is math. If math is dependable as something God created, then God is. They're interconnected because God is the creator. And God could have created a whole different universe where two plus two equals 17. And we would learn how to make that work. But God created a universe where two plus two always equals four. And I can count on that. And if I can count on those laws if i can count on gravity being constant i can count on his spiritual laws being just as true and just as real and the consequences of going against them being just as damaging in my life when when john points his churches to biblical truth he is giving us a way to discern truth in every area of our lives And and any actions or lifestyles that conflict with biblical truth from what, what you have heard from the beginning isn't truth, but an effort, maybe unintentionally, maybe even with the best of intentions, or maybe intentionally, but still an effort to lead us astray. If God is the creator of everything, if Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, then God's truth is always true for everyone in every setting in every circumstance, and we can't slough off biblical teachings because they're inconvenient, because they're costly, because they're hard, or even because we don't agree with them. Instead, as we looked last week, the Bible says, John says, Whatever, whoever does the will of God abides forever. Whoever does action. If you believe there is a God and he has a will and it's an intentional will, then doing it is how you demonstrate you believe. There is always a connection between what we believe, what what we really believe, not necessarily what we say, but what we really believe, and then how we live our lives. And I want to tell you, belief isn't always easy or convenient, which is why it takes God's help. It takes discipline to work at it day in and day out, even to the point of choosing things sometimes I'd rather not do. But I do them because God tells me in his word that it is important. He tells me it's important to love my neighbor. He tells me it's important to to serve as I have served you. He tells me it's important to give of my resources to tithe. Why? Some of those things are very inconvenient to me and what I want. but But they're calling into question values of a world around us that is seeking to push us in a different direction than God's way. The good news is, We can do this. We can abide in him. And and sometimes abiding in him may lead to some separation from others. And and that's not necessarily a happy thing. But if if, if abiding requires you to do that, you may have to do that. You may have to separate from some some people, some friends that you used to hang out with. Because you've got to abide because The truth is is there and you have to to live it. And John is pointing to that because otherwise you can be led astray. You can start walking down a path, a slippery slope, and at first it won't seem like a big deal. But someday you'll wake up, turn around, and you'll say, how in the world did I ever get myself in this place? Now the good news is there is forgiveness and we can start again. It's kind of like the old saying, when's the best time to plant a tree? 20 years ago. Next best time? Today. When's the best time to start following Jesus? When's the best time to do it? Well, it would have been great if all of us were doing it back then. But if we haven't, today is a good day. Today is a great day to trust him, to follow him, to believe him, to abide in him. That we do this together together. Because we don't have to be led astray. Our kids don't have to be led astray, but, but we've got to, we have to grow so that we can teach them. We've got to help them abide so that they too know what God says so that we can train up a child in the way they should go and when they, and they grow, they won't depart from it because they have that grounding. Because let me tell you, the grounding around us of the world of consumerism, of me first, of hedonism is huge. And those those things are the spirit of the Antichrist that want to pull you and me away. Step by step, slowly, but it works. And I'm sure there's not a one of us who hasn't given in to some of that, some of the time. John says, I love you too much. You are my children. And he speaks for any pastor and for any leader in a church. That's the same desire to abide in Christ, to trust him because he loves you. He loves you. And he only wants what is best for you and me. If you want to dig more into this, we have a study guide um, on the Find It page and many of our life groups and other groups are are using it as as weekly discussion guides and you can do that. In in just a couple of minutes, right here in this auditorium, we're gonna share communion after we dismiss What a great way to keep the main thing the main thing, to focus on Jesus Christ and what he did for us. So if you're interested in doing that, you're welcome if you would pick up your children and then come back and join in. You say, well, my children don't understand. Good, I don't fully understand everything Jesus did. But this is what God's family does. And if I'm going to raise up my children, if I'm going to show them a lifestyle and a way to live, I don't want them to be left out. I want them to get all of Jesus they can get. And so they're welcome to come and join us. Um, I, myself and a few friends will be out here in the, in the lobby over here on this side. If you're new and you wanna say hi, we'd love to meet you. And our prayer team's gonna be right down here. And if you've got questions of some of this, if you need somebody to pray over you, if you need to welcome Christ into your life, come down and talk to them. I mean, I say down here, they'll actually be out further because we'll be getting ready for communion, but but do that. We'll start communion about three or four minutes after the service ends, so you can just, uh, if you're down here on the floor, you can stay where you are. If you're up in the risers, we'll invite you to come down to the floor and just sit, And and my wife, Susan, will actually begin communion in just a few moments after the service ends. Would you join me, though, in prayer? Gracious God, we thank you that you love us so much that... You did everything you could do to lead us back to you. You didn't make us do it because you've given us free will. But in the midst of that, you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to die for us. You sent apostles like John to talk to us. You, You sent other church members and leaders around us to encourage us. We're in this together, Father, because you love us. You desire the best for us. Help us to trust you. Help us to walk with you, Father. Help us to be, be on guard against the, antichrist that, the spirit of the antichrist that is at work in our world today. That sometimes people don't even realize when they're buying into it. We don't always realize when we're buying into it, Father. Reveal it to us. Show us and help us overcome through the power of your spirit that lives within us. That, that anointing that can give us wisdom when we seek to listen. Bind us together, Father. Help us to abide in Jesus, we pray. Amen. To learn more about us, visit www.gateway-community.org. Welcome to your journey.